0: Never in ancient Christianity would people have done things like church hop. They understood that they had a responsibility to one another and their role was necessary in that community. I just got this uh, brand new sweater. Really, really nice, but it was picking up a ton of static electricity, so I had to return it to the store, and they ended up giving me another one, free of charge. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 181. Great to have you back with us. If this is your first time listening, we start every episode with a dad joke, so if you're confused, that's why. But also, please rate and review this podcast so other people can find it. Helps other people uh, know about the podcast, and the highest compliment you could pay us is to share this with your family and friends. You can do that on social media. We're on Instagram, at Thought all spelled out. You can find all of our social media uh, links, content, our blogs, our previous podcast episodes on our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. And while you're there, click on the subscribe button and you can get our weekly Psalm Reflection email sent to your inbox every Wednesday morning. And click on the give button if you feel so inclined and you can become a financial sponsor, a patron of this podcast for as little as $1 a month. And this podcast does cost money to host and all the other costs associated with the website and communications and things like that. Uh, very much appreciate your willingness to help cover those if you, enjoyed, uh, if you enjoy listening. So yeah, thanks so much for all of you who support the podcast. And let's get into our joy junk in Jesus. My joy, this week, um, we got to see our best friends. Finally, it had been, we did the math, it had been like two months since we saw each other, which was like so long. Um, so uh, Tony and Jenna, Jenna, my former co-host of this uh, podcast, her uh, third son turned one her third child. Oliver turned one on uh, this past weekend so we got to celebrate with them and a bunch of other people. really wonderful got to see a lot of great people and that was very joyful. Um, <clears throat> my um, other joy is well yeah, my other joy it's kind of odd calling this a joy but um, all these investigations of annulments um, it can be a very painful process for people in the church but I'm finding, A lot of like kind of joy and and almost like, I don't know, I feel like a Catholic private investigator when I'm having to call these different records offices and try and figure out if people have marriage and divorce records of such and such people and like track things down for people because it is very traumatizing and people don't want to rehash all these old wounds. And so to be able to help people, to do some of that for them, to be able to help them heal and move on um, has been really powerful. So those are all starting to get kind of finalized, um, the ones that that I'm in charge of uh, in this season of of people coming to the church. So uh, continue to pray for them because it's not an easy process. Pray for their ex-spouses. Pray for everyone involved um, with these, these uh, annulments that it would just be a healing process and a life-giving process for everyone involved. Uh, my junk is that, uh, speaking of that party, the uh, one-year-old birthday party, I was in the sun for a long time that day. And my wife and I both have autoimmune diseases where being in the sun is not great for us. Uh, used to affect her a lot more than it seems to now. Um, it tends to affect me a whole lot more now than uh, it does her. So it seems that way. So it's been a couple days uh, as I'm recording this since that party, and I'm still feeling the effects of being in the sun that long. So um, yeah, a little groggy, real lethargic, still feeling like just, yeah, real tired because of it. So Um, but my Jesus moment was, uh, last night I went up to the North part of the county and gave a 45 minute talk to a youth ministry kickoff at a, at a Catholic parish. And I wasn't given any kind of topic for the talk, which is sometimes the most terrifying of situations because I have certain talks where it's like, people know I give them and they ask me to come give them. It's just easier, you know? Um, but it was really nice to be able to just kind of like take that 45 minutes and let the Holy spirit work. I didn't really, I, I had some images and stuff that I knew I might reference, but I really just had the idea to just share my testimony and through my testimony answer some kind of maybe pivotal questions that I had had when I was a teenager that they might also have about God and the church. And um, yeah, it went really well. 45 minutes on the dots. It was it was good. I was, um, yeah, I felt good. So um, really felt the Lord just kind of like speak through me and uh, bring that talk together. I didn't feel anxious or anything. I think I've been speaking enough now to where I can just kind of up there and, and do my thing and uh, and the Lord let the Lord work. Uh, and, and I've gotten used to doing it for so long that it's easy for me to just get out of the way and let the Lord speak. So I'm very grateful for that. Without further ado, let's get into our podcast episode. For this week, we're looking at the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, as we always do. This Sunday is the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We're once again in the book of Philippians, which we started last week, a reminder St. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi while he's in prison, and he's trying to remind them um, of what it means to be faithful, what it means to be Christian, how to address the different issues that that particular church is facing in that region. And in the first chapter, last week's second reading, we heard about uh, Paul being imprisoned and how whether he died or whether he got to keep on going and ministering really didn't matter to him. But he saw a greater benefit to the church for him to stay alive, even though it might lead to more suffering and persecution so that he could continue to share the gospel. Uh, And so he takes that and it leads directly into our second reading for today. So you might have the extended version at Mass of Philippians chapter 2, where you hear the very common Christ hymn of Jesus uh, from Paul, where it says, Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found human appearance, and so and so, so on. We read that several times throughout the year. So I'm not going to read that part. That's for the extended version of the reading. I'm going to read the shorter version, which is just the first five verses of Philippians. And I'm going to do that because I think there's some specific themes in there that we can draw out. Otherwise, you know, that whole Christ hymn is so beautiful, we can get into it. and But I think some of these themes lead directly into that. So, we're going to read the first five verses of Philippians chapter 2. Now, uh, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, Brothers and sisters, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out for his own interests, but also for those of others. Have in you the same attitude that is also in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, in the reading for this Sunday, you know, they usually start it off, they'll add this intro, brothers and sisters. But in the original text, it just says, if therefore there is any encouragement in christ and so that word therefore is referring back to chapter one where paul is talking about all the sufferings he's experienced so he's saying basically like therefore everything that i'm doing and if i see the preaching of jesus christ is more important than all of it therefore if there's any encouragement any solace any participation any compassion be of the same mind have the same mentality That we are all to be united in Christ and of one accord. That's what Paul is getting at here. So in a lot of these church communities that Paul is founding, they're very intercultural and mixed. They're Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians trying to figure out how to get along, how to retain uh, certain elements of their tradition, what to put away, what's more important than what else. And so Paul is constantly having to remind them to just like focus on the central message of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead for our sins and for our salvation. And so old ritual practices, old ritual laws, old cultural expressions of faith don't always need to be carried forward because they might overshadow or confuse the central message. So he says these key things. He says, like, be like-minded. The original Greek there says, like, think in the same way. It says, have the same love, be of one accord, of one mind. And then he says this line, do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. The original Greek there says, do nothing through Arethea, uh, which is through rivalry, or through kenodoxian, which is through conceit, where the word "conceited" comes from. So, do nothing through rivalry or through conceit. So, nothing out of selfishness or vainglory are good synonyms for that. But those kind of speak that that word rivalry, especially, it speaks of this like kind of partisan, uh, like very uh, divided, politicized division. And conceit obviously has much to do with vanity. Um, doesn't really concern for the truth. It's more of what the self is concerned about. I mean, these things are very similar to the situations we find ourselves in today. Like there's rivalry left and right, people canceling one another, uh, partisan division, um, people judging one another, scream, having screaming matches over differences in belief or, or, or faith or politics. Uh, And then it's all out of conceit. It's all out of a concern for the self. I want everyone to approve of what I want to do, my lifestyle, my decisions, my choices, my opinion, or they're a danger to me. I don't feel safe, et cetera. That language is commonly used. So Paul is writing to a community that is dealing with issues not much different than some of the issues we find ourselves in. And I think the central issue here, uh, it comes out in this story where someone asked St. Augustine, to name the four cardinal virtues. And if you've read the catechism, if you know the teachings of the church, the four cardinal virtues, cardinal means hinge. These are the hinge practices that we can habitually practice in order to develop them. So there's three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. Those are taught that those are just a gift from God. We cannot give ourselves faith. We cannot give ourselves hope. We cannot give ourselves love. Those are all gifts. However, The other four virtues, the cardinal virtues, we can practice for ourselves, and they're traditionally listed as prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. But when St. Augustine was asked, what are the four cardinal virtues? He said, humility, 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 and humility. And that's really what this passage, I think, is getting at here. That in order to be of the same mind, to be united in heart, to think one thing, to do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory, we have to do, in the words of St. Paul, humbly regard others as more important than ourselves, not looking out for our own interests, but for those of others. There's this legend of a king who captured a rival army, and he wanted to determine which of these warriors would be worthy to enter his army or who he would have to execute. like Who would betray him or who would be faithful to the things that they were commanded? So he chained all of their arms and he put plates of food in front of each one of them. And he just let them kind of determine what they would do. And most of the soldiers just tried to get the food for themselves. Their arms could not reach the way that they were chained. But the way that their arms were chained, they were chained a little bit wider. They were actually able, if they strained, to reach the plates of their neighbors and they weren't able to grab them for themselves, but they could elevate them just enough to feed their neighbors. And so it was a very wise exercise in this legend on the part of this king to determine who would be worthy of trust or not, who would be willing to sacrifice for the other or not and be worthy for my army, was who would, willing, who would be willing to set aside their own selfish focus on their own food and take the opportunity to serve and feed another. And that really, brothers and sisters, is what humility is all about. Having that kind of good sense of, of I don't know, like, look, is this for me or is it for the Lord? To kind of have that sense of being able to like look at something and ask, is this for me or is it for the Lord? We can look at everything from a selfish point of view. Oh, this is for me or this affects me in a particular may- way. We always see it through a self lens. But if we can look at everything through the lens of the Lord and the lens of others, then that is a really good framework to have for anything that happens to us. So if good things happen to us, especially if good things happen to us, we can ask, is this for me or is this for the Lord? And oftentimes, there's always a way we can use this, direct this for the good of others and the good of the Lord to glorify him. But also when something bad happens to us, Humility looks like, instead of asking the question, why me? Just like if something good happens, we ask, is this for me? Instead of asking, why me? We ask, what or who is this for? Who am I being called to offer this suffering for? What purpose will this suffering lead me to if I have trust that the Lord is up to something good, which he always is? That's what humility is. Humility isn't like this self-deprecating virtue where we just don't think about ourselves. No, humility is being who God called us to be, not for our own sake or attention, but to serve him and others in joy as we build the kingdom of God. So humble people can still be very visible, can still be very well-liked. People may even have an attraction to the virtue or the gifts that humble people display. But the difference is that humble people don't do it for themselves. They lean into the person God created them to be and they glorify God in the midst of all of it. That is what they do. Social media has created a new form of idolatry. I would call it like a paganism of the self, that we are all worshiping ourselves. We put pictures and images and videos of ourselves on a platform, literally a digital shrine for others to worship or blaspheme against. To like, comment, subscribe. To follow, just like we follow Jesus. Literally, those commands are, do you want to worship? Do you want to interact with, have relationship with? Do you want to follow? We're creating a paganism of self through social media. Ancient cultures, they saw themselves as part of a society. It wasn't about the individual. We're so obsessed with the individual, what I want to do, what I, how I want to live, the decisions I want to make, and everyone has to accommodate me, has to allow me to feel safe, to make whatever decision I want, to express myself however I want. And if anyone has a problem with that, than there being violent against me. And that is not at all how our country was founded, how our founding documents were written, how our understanding of liberty was. That liberty still had this sense of our responsibility to society. When we talk about liberty today, most people, what they mean is license. I want the license to do whatever I want to do. I want permission to do whatever I want to do. But liberty liberty is the freedom to do that which is good and best for both you and society and if something is good for you but not good for society liberty says that we are not free to do it that is what liberty is that it is collectivistic over individualistic now i'm not trying to be like communist or like socialist but collectivistic cultures are cultures that see themselves as part of the community A lot of Asian cultures and Hispanic cultures and Eastern European cultures are this way. Some Eastern European cultures. More African cultures are this way, where they see themselves as part of the whole. And that everything that we do affects the whole, for better or for worse. It's not about the individual, but the individual has unique gifts, charisms, and abilities to contribute to the betterment of the whole society, the whole body of Christ. But the individual also has the way to detract from it. If one part suffers, then all parts suffer, as 1 Corinthians says. And so, humility is the recognition that sometimes we need to lay down our own opinions, our own ambition, our own personal preferences, to find a common ground with someone else, to be united, to be of one mind, to pursue the same goals, the same end. Never in ancient Christianity would people have done things like church hops, They understood that they had a responsibility to one another and their role was necessary in that community. I talk about this all the time, but our canonical responsibility to belong to a parish, primarily the parish within whose boundaries we live. Because that parish is responsible for serving us and we're responsible for serving that parish. We always complain like, oh, such and such parish has gone downhill or they really don't have any good programs there. Well, it's because everyone is leaving their responsibility behind and going to other churches. They're not sticking around to fix the problem. It's all about our individual experience. I want to have the church experience I want to have. It's not about what is my role in this community. And so if you're showing up to church and the community is dead and you don't see anyone your age, guess what? Your responsibility, instead of trying to find another church where you find community, is to approach that community and say, here are my gifts, how can I help? I want to start this. I want to use my gifts to better this community. That is what the church was meant to be. That is how all ancient cultures were. That is something we've lost sight of in our Western American point of view. And we need to regain that understanding of what it means to be church, what it means to help one another, what it means to see a need and then go fill it instead of see a need and complain and criticize and write letters to the pastor or gossip with our friends about it instead of being part of the solution. Every single person that is within the boundary lines of your parish has gifts that that parish needs, has a presence that that parish needs. And the reason why people leave the church, why churches are dwindling or where some churches struggle to have programs that are beneficial for people is because people aren't using their gifts. They're relying on the same small group of people to do all of the work. And that's never going to be a model of sustainability in a church community. It will never last. Every person's gifts are necessary, their time, their talent, their money, in order for that church to reach its full potential and to evangelize everyone within its boundaries. Every single person who is of faith needs to show up and contribute so that when new people are brought in, they are also invited to show up and contribute. And that cycle continues until the church is serving every single soul within its boundary. That is the goal. You play a role in that. You play a role in the body of Christ. But we get in the way of that role when we're not like-minded with our brothers and sisters. When we don't stay united in heart, when we don't seek to think the same thing or find a common ground, when we do things out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Brothers and sisters, humility is about being who God called you to be, not for your own sake or for your own attention, but to serve him and others in joy so that we can build the kingdom of God. You have a unique role to play in that. You have unique gifts that are needed. Your presence is needed. This is why we can't have just a private relationship with God on our own in our houses. We belong in community. It is impossible to have faith without community. It says that in the Catechism, paragraph 166. Faith is not an isolated act. No one can live alone just as no one can have faith alone. And so when good things happen to you, to be able to ask, how is this for the Lord and for others? To set aside our own selfish pursuits, if something bad happens to you, to not say, woe is me and focus on the self, but to focus on how can I offer this for others? What is this preparing for before? How can I use this as a preparation to be a better gift to others, to glorify God in the midst of my suffering, to show others how to endure suffering, just as Christ showed us, to be that example. How can I see myself not as an individual who needs to be idolized, but set aside this paganism of the self, this idolatry of the individual, and to recognize I am part of something larger and my community needs me. You have a part to play no matter how old, young, able, disabled, experienced, knowledgeable, or completely ignorant. No matter how many gifts you think that you have or if you feel you only have one, you have one, I guarantee you. And the church needs it. The church needs you. God is not done with you yet. And so I invite you to pray about the ways that you're being called to serve and also to pray about the ways where you struggle to be of the same mind with others, to be united in heart, to find a common ground, the ways you struggle in selfishness and vainglory, the ways you seek attention or seek the admiration of others instead of seeking to serve them. And to offer those things to the Lord this week, to ask for his will to be done and his guidance to lead you to where he is calling you. That is all I have for you, my brothers and sisters. Until next time, God bless you, and I will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.